guys i'm your host nick and i'm joined tonight by a special guest um, this is gonna be the first of a series of preview episodes featuring writers over at shaken southland i'm excited to welcome back ryan Cantor. Um, ryan has come on the podca- podcast a few times he writes over at shaken southland and as of this past season uh, tiger net as well so ryan welcome back yeah thanks for having me 100 um with these sort of preview series um always interesting to get you know, new, new voice, new perspective, come on the podcast, you know, people that spend as much or more time looking at the team than we do. And really we're hoping to feature um, you know, a closer look at some of the position group previews that you all have been putting together. Um, you took on two of the most important and I think exciting positions on the team for this year, um, the quarterbacks and the defensive line, um, which really is sort of two groups in one. So um, first of all, like congrats on pulling, pulling those marquee position groups. Yeah, I was quick to pick my positions there. Yeah, might as well, right, if they're unclaimed. Um, so, Ryan, you know, definitely want to get your your thoughts on the overall season for the Tigers and, you know, as we can here, talk about this Georgia game coming up. But I do want to start with the quarterbacks and clearly Trevor Lawrence moving on to the NFL this year. Um, we got a little bit of a glimpse of DJ Uyunglele last year. Um, I think a lot of Clemson fans are wanting to understand, like, what can we expect from him? So I was hoping you could maybe lay out for us and our listeners, like, what do you, where do you see DJU ceiling for this year as a sophomore quarterback? And, you know, in order for him to sort of succeed and hit that, uh, be it relative to what we've seen from Trevor Lawrence to Sean Watson, Kelly Bryant, or um, really in and of himself for DJ, like what development do you think is going to be needed from last year to this year for him to see that ceiling? Yeah. So two different things is kind of expected case and ceiling. I think in terms of ceiling, he could be every bit as good as any, any quarterback that's played at Clemson. He's got a, a strong arm that reminds me of Taj Boyd and that, that kind of size. Um, and you saw what he did against uh, Notre Dame and Boston college. He's got the poise and uh, accuracy of like a Trevor Lawrence. So you kind of combine those two. And, and I think that's his upside, which is, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks in ACC history. But I think in terms of just, setting fair expectations. I think the main thing is just, will he develop consistency? You know, he's only played two games and he's only a true sophomore. So I think just kind of keeping that in mind and setting fair expectations. Fortunately, Clemson really only has, you know, one or two games where you're, you know, you're worried that they can't overcome an off day from a quarterback. Um, but but I have really high expectations for, for DJ. Yeah, I think one area that we saw um, maybe a little bit less to be part of the designed game for Trevor, but was very much more a role that Kelly Bryant, Deshaun Watson played was also in the running game. So uh, how involved do you think Tony Elliott, Brandon Streeter and the coaching staff is going to get DJ involved in the running game in terms of sort of like designed runs versus, you know, we know DJ can be mobile. 
as needed. I think we saw that a bit in the BC game last year. Um, what is your sort of expectation this year as far as his involvement in the running game himself? Yeah, that makes me think of 2019 with Trevor Lawrence when they didn't run him too much, but then when they needed to uh, in that game against Ohio State, they they sort of unleashed the secret weapon, sort of, so, so to speak. Um, so I, th- I think DJ is capable. I think maybe against Georgia, you see it. Uh, you know, if they play like a North Carolina or Miami and it's a tough ACC championship game, uh, you could see it, especially in the playoff. I don't think it's going to be a huge part of the offense, but you know, the zone read is, you know, a key feature of the offense. So they'll have to do it some. Um, and I think Elliot loves to do it in the red zone where the quarterback may run it and never get hit. Cause he, you know, he goes two yards and he's in the end zone. So I think you'll see the most there. I, I think we saw a lot from, from Lawrence in that kind of particular situation. So I would say it will be a key part of the offense, but you're not going to see him run it 15 times. Makes sense. Yeah. It's, they're going to pick their battles with that. And, you know, sort of with the run game, I think the expectation there on maybe tempering his usage too much probably gets into my next question, which has to do with DJ's health. And, um, you know, should he sustain, you know, an injury? Uh, what's next for Clemson kind of in the quarterback room? Who else is there? So, um, again, I, I think I agree with you that he may see light utilization in the designed run game. He's got that threat. You know, I think um, I would expect him to very much be as good, if not, you know, on the level of a, a Taj Boyd. Um, but wanted to pivot this to talk a little bit about some of the order other quarterbacks on the roster. Um, where is your degree of confidence in any of our backups capacity to step in to the chase Bryce role where we needed him to not just manage the offense, but actually make some throws down the stretch against Syracuse in 2018. Um, do you think DJ, you know, should DJ be on the shelf for half a game or one or two games you know, do you have any confidence in the guys behind him to step up and step in into a Florida State game, NC State game, that sort of thing, and come away with victory? Yeah, I mean, not seeing a whole lot of play from him, it's hard to say, but I would sort of break it into, into three groups, right? So, you know, if, if DJ goes down in, you know, the second series or something like that against Georgia, you know, I'm going to be pretty darn worried. I, I think our odds are, are pretty low at that point, right? Or, or even like in North Carolina in a championship game or in the playoffs. but then you look, start looking kind of like the middle chunk of the schedule in terms of like the mid, like mid, uh, like challenging games, like road trips to Pittsburgh and Louisville and NC state, uh, South Carolina home game against Boston college. Those are kind of what I would say, like the medium difficulty games. That's where I'm like, I'm, I still would pick Clemson, but I'd be pretty nervous about it. And then in terms of some of the weaker games, you know, you have South Carolina state, UConn, Wake, Georgia tech, Florida state all at home or a trip to Syracuse. I think Hunter Helms would, I would be very confident that Hunter Helms or Will Taylor or, or Pumachan, if he's healthy, could, could lead Clemson to battle. And one thing sort of about the whole Pumachan injury uh, that I thought was so odd is, you know, he, he had played some last year and really struggled. He, he played in the spring game and really struggled. Hunter Helms had looked pretty good against Georgia Tech in limited playing time. And when Pumachan got hurt, people acted like it was this tremendous drop off, like, you know, we could have won a championship even without DJ, but now, now we can't even beat Wake Forest. And I, I don't know that there's like much drop off. And even Will Will Taylor coming in is a true freshman. I, I kind of feel like they're possibly pretty close together. Yeah, I think your point is shocking that folks thought that Pumachan was capable of sustaining the offense at a high level um, when we haven't really had evidence to that effect. And maybe it's less that there won't be drop off from DJ to Helms or DJ to Taylor. There certainly probably would be, but 
um, we're no worse off with Pumachan than we would be with Helms or we're no worse off with Helms and Taylor than we would be Pumachan is kind of your, that's your initial read. Right. Yeah. I, I think any of them could beat sort of that, that bottom third of our schedule or close to half of our schedule um, against kind of the, the South Carolina's NC States, who knows? Yeah. But none of, I, I wouldn't think any of them at this point, you know, they could vastly improve throughout the year, but I wouldn't pick any of them to beat a Georgia or an Alabama today. No, of course not. Yeah. And I, I think this, this gets into a little bit folks expectations for this team and what success for a season looks like and that sort of thing. Like you can make the statement, if DJ goes down, we're not winning a natty. Well, probably true. Um, but you can still see a lot of good things out of this team this season, regardless. And I think this offense can still be potent in a number of other ways. Um, for, you know, we, we've seen in the past certain Clemson quarterbacks be knocked out of certain games. And sometimes the backups came in and were able to turn things around and we won the game. I'll add Chase Bryce. Other times, I forget who stepped in first. I think it was Zarek Cooper. Zarek um, Cooper, Kelly yeah. Bryant went down against Syracuse. We did not win that game. And that game was already, you know, an S show, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. defensively. So I, yeah, we, we don't need to get into specific matchups of yesteryear, but um, again, I think, yeah, sure. The goals of the team are kind of shot if DJ goes down for an extended stretch, but I think part, it's still worthwhile to understand like what's the development behind him and the role that backups can play. And um, I, I feel like after this Georgia game, we are going to hit a certain stretch of the season where these guys are going to get a lot of playing time. So I'm curious if you have, again, no one knows from Tyson Pumachon's standpoint, as far as his exact return timeline, part of his game was also mobility and an Achilles injury, certainly in this kind of timeline, uh, put stress on that kind of recovery and athleticism. But, um, I, you know, you, you haven't seen too much out of Helms and Will Taylor's brand new, uh, but do you have any sense for kind of how the pecking order might go your own expectations? So, so what, what's sort of, trickling out of camp seems to be Helms, then Taylor. And then when Pumachan's fully healthy, it seems like they want him to be the number two. This just seems like such an incredibly fast timeline from injuring, you know, tearing an Achilles in the spring game. I mean, maybe it's a a free healing thing and it's truly, really healed, but that's a, that's a tough injury to come back from that fast. So, you know, if he's a hundred percent or, you know, reasonably close to it and can run um, and he's taken strides because, you know, he's, he struggled a lot in that spring game until really the last two drives, um, then yeah, I mean, he, he could certainly be the number two, but I really view them as sort of a, a, a toss up. I think they're all uh, capable, but I, I don't know that we as fans, uh, you know, and media just have real evidence to feel like one separated themselves from the pack at this point. Right. That makes sense. Um, any parting thoughts on the quarterbacks? I know you, you have a post up that went up today or maybe yesterday on Chicken Southland. Um, Anything we didn't hit? Yeah, one thing I wanted to mention that I think is is pretty interesting is I think DJ uh, could be, I'm not saying better overall, but specifically at attacking the middle of the field than what we've seen for the last several years. Um, I know 2019 in particular, it felt like uh, Trevor was just sort of tossing jump balls to T and, and Ross on the outside. They were so good. They'd, want, they'd win most of them. And that got a lot tougher against you know top flight defensive backs. But, but DJ seems more, um, more intent on attacking the middle of the field. And then you've got Ross moving to the slot. I think the tight ends are poised for a huge breakout um, just from a personnel standpoint. So when you kind of combine that personnel with DJ's proclivity to throw it over the middle, I think the offense could look a bit different. And I mean that in, in a really fun and exciting way. I think we get some, something a little different there. 
Yeah, that was the focus that Ben and I tried to take in our last episode is in what ways will you see new looks from this Clemson team this season? And I agree, like where the ball's going, both, you know, from a middle versus the outsides, as well as a downfield perspective. Um, Trevor Lawrence by no means had a weak arm, but I think DJ, DJ is an all-timer in terms of arm strength. So, um, and again, you, you just have a different profile of wide receiver and catching tight end coming out this year with those guys having a lot more development under their belts. So um, I agree. We are poised to have a fun offense. Um, and I know this isn't the offensive line preview. We're going to bring Matt on for that. But um, the, again, I think the hope here is that they will buy DJ as much time as Trevor had last year. Right. Yeah. I, 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 th- I think the, Offensive line was fine last year in terms of pass blocking, and, and I see no reason to regress there. It's just a matter of do they become better at, at run blocking. Yeah, definitely. Ryan, I'd love to move us on to the defensive line. Um, probably the most exciting position group um, in my perspective on this coming team. And I want to start with that Georgia matchup. So first game of the season, I'm curious, um, from what you know about this Georgia team, I know you're also a student of the broader macro of college football. They're obviously a top five top three teams sometimes. Um, so, you know, a little bit about their identity. I'm curious, like, is there sort of a game within the game between Clemson's defensive line and the interior in the, and the O-line of Georgia um, that you think is going to determine, you know, if, if Clemson fans could kind of keep one eye on one aspect of, of that matchup, kind of where you're, you're going to be looking to establish, you know, how successful Clemson is being in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I'm looking at like one particular offensive lineman for Georgia or, or a particular D-end or anything like that for Clemson. But just last year, it seemed it seemed to get a sack to really get pressure. Clemson was bringing all sorts of creative blitzes. Um, you know, Balen Spector uh, led the team in sacks uh, at just four and a half, which, which is great for a, for a linebacker, but you'd expect that to not lead your entire team. Um, so, so I think actually having defensive linemen generate the sacks, generate the pressure without blitzing. Um, you had two freshman lead defensive linemen uh, in sacks last year. You would think that they would get better. Then you've got Justin Foster, Xavier Thomas getting healthy, um, which brings more talent, but also really, really increases the depth there. Um, so I think they could uh, substitute more and be a lot more effective. So, you know, it's a great test because, you know, when they play Wake Forest and, and UConn and South Carolina State, of course, they'll get pressure. But this is a great test right from the start. Does the D-line actually get pressure against what's typically an elite offensive line at Georgia? I mean, that's their calling card. One one uh, wrinkle here is that the the guy they expected to be the starting center, Warren Erickson, has a hand injury. Sounds like he's going to be back at practice, but he's going to have a cast on the hand that he uses to snap. So I don't know if he's going to start or if he starts, will be at center. Maybe he'll be fine by then. Um, we still got, uh, over two weeks till that game, but that's, that's an interesting wrinkle there as well. Yeah. And just from a personnel standpoint, um, I believe Arik Gilbert is stepping away from the team or he's, um, sort of shelved a little bit and yes, he's a pass catching tight end, but certainly would be involved in the blocking scheme as well. You know, that could definitely play out when it comes to the pressure situation that you talked about. So, and I think we all, and this is maybe a little bit more about the linebacking core, but um, plenty of tight ends have gotten theirs against Clemson in years past. So I don't think we'd, we'd weep too much if he missed that game. Yeah. Well, they still have some great tight ends. They were talking about using him in the slot. Uh, they had so much talent at tight end. So I think that'll still be a, um, a challenge to stop their tight ends. Um, but you know, they're, 
they've got five stars all over the place, but they're short on, uh, you know, George Pickens towards ACL. Now Eric Gilbert is out with what sounds like mental health issues. So not to criticize him, but without him and uh, Pickens, some holes at wide receiver there. So we'll see how that plays out for them. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask maybe a, a bit more of a broader view for the season itself. Um, you already mentioned a number of the guys coming back, um, you know, really excited to see Foster and XT. I wonder if there's a, one player along the line whose development you yourself are really intrigued by for this season. Um, looking for what, what specifically you're looking for in their game to elevate. Um, if there's a player that you think is maybe under the radar right now, you know, feel free to chime in on that too. Uh, but there are already a lot of household names here. And I'm just curious if there's someone that, you know, you're, you're kind of watching more closely than the others on the D line. On the D line. Um, I'm interested to see what, what happens with KJ Henry. I mean, with, uh, with Foster and Thomas out last year, uh, he had a lot of snaps and he was all right, but I mean, this is a former five-star. He was a big, big deal. So I wonder is, has he hit a ceiling or, or is he going to break through him and become a star? Um, based on the early depth chart, it seems like Justin Foster and Xavier Thomas are poised to get more snaps. Uh, I'm excited to see them for sure. Um, but really just the, the newfound depth with those guys back at defensive end is probably the most exciting. Um, obviously with uh, Tyler Davis and Brian Brissy, you're, you're pretty set with two kind of stars in, in the inside. Um, but just kind of see this new rotation of defensive ends and, with all this added depth, are they going to be dramatically better? I think they could. That's that's sort of what I'm most excited to see. Yeah, and it you would you would imagine this could be an opportunity for KJ Henry to not need to be you know the every down or the every man defensive lineman. I'm sorry, to, um, defensive end. I feel like perhaps they can carve out a role for him in a specialist capacity, like a specific type of down where he typically thrives, um, where some like XT he may be able to come in and spell XT. Um, I mean, I, I still think, you know, it would be great for Henry to emerge and, you know, take snaps from those other guys. Um, but I think maybe to your point, one of the things that we've, um, we've been lacking in, in the final game of the year, the last two years is just health and depth along the defensive line. And it would seem as particularly at the edge position, uh, Clemson does seem to have pretty solid depth and experience coming back. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll see how they all develop, but there's, there's just a lot more options with, uh, with those two guys coming back. Sticking with the defense overall, Ryan, um, I think something that we certainly on the podcast and you guys at Shaking the Southland have written about at length is secondary depth and understanding guys in the back end um, needing to either show consistency or take that next developmental leap to match up with their star rating or really establish themselves as you know, the next, the next generation of stud DBs. Um, I think a lot of people's thought is this still might be the weakness of the defense coming into this year. And therefore it'll be more incumbent on the defensive line to generate that pressure and really disrupt offenses from going nuts all over the field. Um, so I think what we've talked about is kind of the talent and the stable of experiences there on the defensive line. Um, and we talked a little bit about the depth and how that's helpful. I'm curious how you define this defensive line's ceiling and do you expect them to be able to hit that this year, be it from number of sacks and you already referenced that on kind of an individual player standpoint or any type of like anecdotal feel to how dominant this D line could be. Yeah. So, I mean, I think anecdotally you look at like kind of what we were talking about last year where it was always a, 
an interesting blitz if they really needed to get pressure. Um, I think probably most about that Notre, Notre Dame game where, again, there was tons of injuries, as we know, but it seemed like they were always just a tick away from getting a sack. Um, and it was always, you know, a defensive end was, you know, a foot away and then he got a, a you know, a completion. Um, so I think just visually watching, are you going to see the quarter, the quarterback go down from a defensive end or almost go down? I think that's a big part. And if you want to get a little bit more analytical, I don't think it's a great sign that you have a linebacker leading the team in sacks with less than five. You know, you, you want a defensive end to have more than five or six, right? So um, I think that's sort of where you're looking is, is a defensive end or, or even a tackle. Are they popping and really getting to the quarterback? Uh, I, I think they could be an elite, you know, top couple uh, in the country defensive line. Um, you know, they've got some, something to prove still, but I think their ceiling is quite high. Yeah. And it, it could end up being where you still have multiple guys in like the four sack range, but if you've got three to four defensive ends racking up those types of stats and Brian Brzee breaking through in the middle, cause they're double teaming Tyler Davis. I think we take that too, right? It's like the overall number of team sacks and pressures should increase. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I looked back at that 2018 D line and the proportion of sacks that they had in terms of the overall defensive sacks was much higher. Now Clemson last year still got a lot of sacks, but they were more evenly distributed. I think you want it a little bit more concentrated on the D line. So it's not just blitzes that are, are getting you the sacks. I think that's the right. concept. Right. Particularly if that, you know, the linebacker core is going to need to be there to, you know, shore up um, obviously in the running game and potentially cover a team like Georgia that could give you, throw a couple tight end looks at you. So would be good to, again, your first point was generate pressure in the top, in the front four. Yep. That's right. Um, so, I mean, I think we're all pretty bullish on what this defensive line could do. It could be the marquee position group of the team this season. Um, I know Brent Venables also, you know, feels like he has something to prove coming off that Ohio state game this past year in new Orleans. Um, any, any kind of nor- narrative storylines on the defensive line that we haven't touched on here, Ryan? Well, I mean, ever since the, the 2018 season, um, when they went undefeated and won the national championship, you know, all those guys left and they haven't been, haven't gotten back, you know, over the hump. And last year, you know, with COVID and all the stuff going on, it's sort of excusable the year before with everyone leaving, you knew they'd take a step back. So, I mean, the question is, will they get back there? If not this year, I mean, maybe it's next year, but you know, now you're losing guys. So um, I think this year you find out if, 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 can you be such a good program that you're getting every couple of years that elite of a defensive line, or was that a, you know, one-year thing? And, you know, it's been a little while since then. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably like the anecdotal overarching question mark for this season. And, you know, you can have this stable of talent. They've all, we've had that before at Clemson and it hasn't all gelled at the same time. I think that's what was so special about the power Rangers uh, 2016 through 2018. And you know, to some extent, some of the guys before them in 2015. Uh, but that's the question, kind of getting that that unit uh, kind of continuity down across the team. And, and I think you could even say that about the, the defense as a whole, you know, the last. So I, th- I think you could have some really interesting storylines, good or bad. Um, you know, if Clemson loses to Georgia, especially if they give up a lot of points, that's three straight, um, you know, poor defensive performances against elite teams, depending on what you think of Notre Dame. Um, that could be some pretty ugly, uh, media talking points. And, you know, the media will enjoy it thoroughly and and exploit it, you know, every moment they can, uh, conversely, you know, Clemson bounces back, 
uh, from that loss, picks up a win against Georgia, especially a good defensive win, you know, wins at least one game in the playoff. You completely flip the narrative and show that Brent Venables is still the best defensive coordinator in the country. Yeah. So there's kind of a lot at stake just from a reputational standpoint. Um, Clemson does not appear to be suffering from that LSU and Ohio state loss on the recruiting trail as much, um, particularly re- regrouping in the secondary. I think the story's out, you know, we, we do need help. We do need the talent to come in and guys are responding to that and signing up. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. And if nothing else, it'll just be real annoying as a Clemson fan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so um, cool. Ryan, well, any parting thoughts on the D line before we kind of move on? No, no, I think we've got it covered. Great. Uh, so let's talk a little bit season outlook. I'm uh, maybe going to go rapid fire here a little bit, let you kind of unpack this as you, as you want, but curious what your expectations are from the regular season record for Clemson, who you think will face up with um, in a perspective, a ACC championship game from the coastal um, who's your final four in the playoff. And then where do you ultimately see Clemson season landing? All right. Um, so you know, I think the over-under is at 11 and a half. I think if, if you're betting on principle, you have to take the under because, you know, betting on a 12 and 0 is kind of outrageous. Um, but there's not a game on the schedule where I'd pick again against Clemson. I, I feel good against Georgia. And if I feel good against Georgia, I, I definitely feel great against every other team on the matchup. So I think they win 11, 12 games. I think they win the Atlantic. Um, I'm pretty high on North Carolina. I think Sam Howell is um, an elite quarterback. And I think he and DJ could be as good as the two best quarterbacks in the country, if, if not certainly the ACC. Um, both are also super likable and Bojangle sponsors, which is kind of funny. Um, so I, I expect North Carolina, who's, who's ranked 10th right now, uh, to, to come from the Coastal. Miami, I think, could certainly do it. Um, after those two, there's, there's feels like a pretty big drop-off. Anything else would be kind of a boring ACC championship game, potentially. Um, so I'd expect one of those two. I'd, I'd pick North Carolina. Um, as far as the college football playoff, uh, I think Oklahoma's poised for, for a good year. They bring back Spencer Rattler uh, and a lot, of that, a lot of the talent around them. Um, generally speaking, you have Oklahoma, you've got Clemson, you've got Alabama and Ohio State, and just about every year, three out of four make the playoffs. Um, I would expect three out of the four to make the playoffs this year. Um, I think Ohio State look, looks excellent if, if C.J. Stroud is as good as they think. Um, and then Clemson. So you have Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, kind of that last wild, wild card spot. Obviously, Alabama is the favorite for it if we're, if, we're, if we're just talking about that. But I don't know that all four of those kind of consistent uh, appears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they all all make the playoff. I think three will. So I feel like Alabama just lost so much. And what, what's, what's interesting is I think last year's Alabama team is one of the greatest teams of all time. And they'll never get the credit because it was kind of a not as fun COVID season and the fans weren't there. And so it'll get overlooked. But that team was unbelievable. And uh, Mac Jones was great. And I just think it gets a little overlooked how much they lost. I think Georgia, especially if they beat Clemson, I think if they beat Clemson, they're almost certainly in the playoff. Um, but even if they don't, I could see them sneaking in. I think Texas A&M uh, has a shot. Um, Oregon, I think, has an outside shot if they could manage to beat uh, Ohio State. And uh, maybe even Cincinnati. They've got games at Indiana and at Notre Dame. Uh, I, did, I don't know that they win both. I would pick Notre Dame. But if they win them both, they could run the table and be in it. So those are sort of my who I'm looking at in general. Makes sense. Good list. I don't really know that you left anyone off that I wouldn't include there. complete dark horse from my end to add to that list might be a Washington team. Again, they'd have to, you know, win the PAC 12 beat Oregon, which that game's in Seattle. 
and um, you know, probably they probably have to go undefeated to make the playoff, but um, yeah, I don't really necessarily see anyone outside of that. Um, so how about Clemson? Where do you think we're going to land? Um, get back into that national championship game. So, so I've already sort of by, uh, by deduction picked us to make the playoff, you know, making sort of official picks, whatever this is, you know, months and months in advance is tough, but <laughs> just, just kind of ballpark. I like Clemson's odds. I wouldn't take us over the field, but I don't, I think I like us more than picking anyone else. I would say, I would say if you can give me Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio state, and I give you all 126 other teams to win the national championship, I would take that bet today. Yeah. You think, you think the natty winner is coming out of that group, Ohio state, Clemson, or Oklahoma. That's right. And not Alabama, Georgia, any other teams you mentioned. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know that Oklahoma can win a natty. I, I'll go ahead and say that, but I do think Ohio state and Clemson are right there. So um, it's probably a good, probably a good, good thought. Good bet. Yeah. I, I, so, so yeah, that probably puts Clemson, you know, 20% chance to win the national championship, maybe a little higher, something like that. That feels about right. Um, and I, I would put that higher than any other individual team. Yeah. And I mean, if it's going to happen, it's the two position groups that you laid out here. Like it's, it means DJ has met the challenge of leading this offense, leading this team and living up to his billing as a five-star generational quarterback, as we've already anointed him. And that D line got nasty once again. Yeah. A few, a few final thoughts on kind of what makes the difference. I think uh, Will Putnam, a right guard uh, is a guy that could really develop and become a, a good offensive lineman. He was a big recruit. I think his development's critical. Um, Landon Zanders was hurt last year. I think we all ragged on him, including myself, because he struggled at times. David Hood's done a lot of reporting about how bad that shoulder really was. Um, if he's 100% healthy, I think he could make you know, pretty big steps. And obviously, we talked about the big difference on the D-line um, being a big boost. So you get all that. And if DJ lives up to the hype, then I think I, think I like Clemson more than any other team. And, and I think the odds are, are pretty positive. Absolutely. Well, a lot to look forward to this season, Ryan. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm writing for Shaking the Southland. We'll have, uh, obviously, the quarterback uh, previews already up. The defensive line previews coming real soon. Um, and then weekly, both uh, Shaking the Southland and as well on TigerNet. Cool. Is there any sort of method to your madness about, you know, the focus or the angle between the two? Uh. Yeah, I have a weekly column that specifically breaks down um, some stats and kind of what it means, like kind of the story behind the statistics for TigerNet. And I focus uh, more so on, on Q&As and some other more uh, just in-depth breakdowns on, on Shaking the Southland. And then, of course, basketball is the big thing that I do on, on Shaking the Southland as well. Awesome. Well, uh, great to have you back on the podcast. Thanks so much for making the time and sharing your wisdom. Uh, we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. I always, always have a good time. Thanks, Nick. hundred uh, percent. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We appreciate Ryan coming on. Looking forward to having the rest of the STS cohorts to come on and talk through their position group breakdowns and their feelings on the season. Um, Shake of the Southland, great partner of the podcast. We've kind of been um, in cahoots with them really since our first season on air back in 2015. So excited to continue that, that partnership moving forward. Um, you know where to find us, uh, leave a review, tell a friend. We're going to have a lot more preview content coming out, both from Chicken the Southland interviews, as well as the, the podcast guys as well. So uh, stay tuned for more of that, that in the next two to three weeks. And as always, go Tigers.